We're live. We're officially yeah. live. Stephanie, officially. are you there? Stephanie. Hello. Our number one fan. Hello. And supporter. Stephanie, this is your best friend, Al. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <sighs> Stephanie, talk to me. Yes, Steph. Do you need to phone in? <laughs> She's probably going to say no. You, last time you said I stole the show. <laughs> <laughs> if Al says it's okay, Steph. Uh, okay, it's working. We're good. It, we're good. Sweet. Uh, okay. This is episode 1.0 of What's It Like? Today we're featuring Al Rapaz or Alan. Al. My mother calls me Alan. Just Al. call me Al. Al. Please. Perfect. Yeah. I like Al in character. This is fun. Uh, so officially we're going to give Al a little introduction. He's going to give himself a little background information. And we're going to find out what it's like to be Al Rapaz. Take it away, Al. Well, that's a big question. Um, so I'll just back up, back up 40, 50 years, right? Um, I was born in East Grand Forks, Minnesota, the icebox right now, 25 below, 30 below, 40 below. Um, but it's, um, it was a good place to grow up, East Grand Forks, Minnesota. Northwest corner. I uh, lived right on the Red River Valley. So Grand Forks, North Dakota was right across the river. So it was a, a little metro area. Um, my parents are still living there. I have one sibling. My oldest brother, Randy, is still living there. And um, my only sister, Karen, is still living in the community. And then I have another brother that lives out in Eveleth, Minnesota, which is in the Iron Range up by the Boundary Water. Um, so that's where I came from. Um, you know, I grew up in the small community, had good friends, and back in those days, uh, didn't really have to fear anything, right? I mean, you just were outside, and when it got dark, you went home, or when your parent called you at your friend's house, you came home for dinner. You know, it was, it was pretty simple, a simple life, and a good life. Um, so my father was a policeman in the community. Um, my mother did various jobs other than, you know, caring for all of we kids. And, um, and then I graduated from high school in 1977, which is a long time. The good years. Yeah. Uh, and while I was in high school, I'll just kind of segue into my career, yep. maybe, if that's okay. Yeah, good flow. Yeah. Um, so I, I keep in touch with um, my good friends back there. We don't have a lot in common anymore just because we don't hang with each other. But I get back there periodically myself or myself and my family uh, to visit my parents. My dad right now is 95. What? My mom is 91, and they, they're healthy. What? And... Yeah, they're living in their own home, and, you know, we, we help them as much as we can. Uh, but so when I was in high school, you know, I, we talked a little earlier about what made me think I wanted to be an architect. Yep. Right. And so in high school, a couple of my uh, junior and senior years, I took some drafting classes, and um, I liked it. And my teacher, Tom, always encouraged me, you know, to, to go further with this. So uh, I decided I was going to go to college to be an architect. And it wasn't a four-year degree. It was a five-year degree. And um, when I decided I was going to go to college, that was, that was one thing that um, it wasn't, it, it seemed to be a long time for my parents whatever, but they supported me and I, I got through that. But I started working for the local civil engineering firm. And I knew that I really, I, I enjoyed civil engineering and what I did, but um, I knew I didn't want to be a civil engineer. And this is in college while you're studying? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, I'd go home for summers and I'd work two years there and then... Uh, I worked for a year with an architectural firm that they also collaborated with. 
and then I ended up going to school at NDSU in Fargo. And I went there from 1977 to 1982. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the East Grand Forks area is it's a beautiful country. Usually what I say is there's two days in the spring and two days in the fall. That's their perfect weather. And that's kind of mean, but it's, um, it's rough. It's rough terrain. What's the temp there right now? Uh, 25 below, something like that. My sister sent me a text this morning. It was like 24 below or something. Wow. And then you add a little wind to that. It's, it's pretty intense. Chilly. After that, where'd you go? So... Um, so while in college in my junior year, I, um, you're talking about my career or, yeah. or in college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So NDSU, um, yeah. NDSU and Fargo, uh, go bison, uh, <laughs> was a really fun community to go to college in because Fargo Moorhead were community colleges or communities that were across the river again. And the fun thing about that, there was a lot of young people in that community. And so there was always something to do across the river wow. again. And the fun thing about that, there was a lot of young people in that community. Nice. And so there was always something to do across the river wow. again. And <laughs> we got a little loop. This yeah, is fun. That's, that's all right. You're, see how your voice sounds? It sounds really good. That's, that's the crazy part. Good looking dude. You dated yourself a little bit saying you yeah. graduated. So be it. Because you're good looking and your voice sounds good and you're a current architect that's good. We just keep racking it up, racking it up, racking Take it up. Take that off the production. <laughs> how, do, how do we get that room moved? <laughs> you feel you're good now, Nate? Feel good with it? That was just a fun, we're discovering some things. Cool. <clears throat> We're still working out the quirks. Yeah. Well, that's right. Let me think about where I'm going to go from here. And I can I can help guide a little bit too yeah. for for the interest. Um, so we kind of built up. Obviously, you graduated from college with an architecture degree. Where'd you go directly after college? Out here, straight to Billings. So I worked two years for the firm that I was working with in Fargo. Right. Mm -hmm. They asked me to come out here and open this branch office on your own no with jerry shuts okay with a partner in that firm but in but before that i went to to europe and are we on yep we're definitely live oh, okay <laughs> is that it no but no that's okay um so um so so i got hired at Foss Associates in Fargo, mm -hmm. the big firm, and they had everybody doing all the disciplines in one under one roof, and it was exciting for a young intern architect to be working in that situation. And um, so, when I graduated in 1982, I was asked to move to Billings to open a branch office for the office of Foss Associates. But in the meantime, uh, I had scheduled trip to Europe with my architectural class of 21 students for three months over there. Wow. Um, you know, living out of a backpack, living in hostels and mm -hmm. studying um, landscape architecture in the, the England, London area, studying Moorish design in Spain and studying the Roman architecture in Paris. Wow. And, and then had some time to just lay on the beach and explore. Enjoy life a little. Yeah. yeah. So I knew before I went um, on that trip, I knew I had a position in Billings, mm -hmm. which at that time the economy was quite depressed. And most of my colleagues ended up going to Texas or other areas in the country that were doing well. Um, I came here 40 years ago and in October. And wow. I'm still here. By choice, too. And yeah, and and really, I've been in my career for forty-two years under the same name. We still carry the Foss name. That is crazy. It, it's an it's uh, yeah, it's an anomaly. So you practice here in Billings. You have an, a firm here in Billings. Yep, we have Shots Foss. Yeah, yeah. It's been in practice with you 
at its helm or co-managing the duties at the helm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been enjoyable. Yeah. Awesome. There's, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of fun days. There's some not so fun days, but that's what comes with the position. And I just, um, I love every day I go to work. Every day. No kidding. Yeah. So you Still. knew, was architecture school easy at NDSU? Was it, was it, did it feel like schoolwork that where you had to go in and face the typical daily grind of, I got to listen to this teacher and I got to do this project or you get to do this project? Um, well, it was, it was all, um, it was all uh, developed programs that we would all have to do mm -hmm. as, as a building we'd have to design or a, a charrette that we have to do. And uh, I, I, I found it interesting when you get into college, nobody really cares about you, right? You're on your own. It's the first experience. And I remember the first assignment that we had was to do something. And um, this is like, we were giving it to a, we were given that about a Tuesday and Thursday came around the next day of the class and I didn't have it done. I mean, apparently I wasn't listening and it didn't go over very well. And I learned really quick that you're on your own and you have responsibilities and you know, it was different than high school. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I like I like college. I, I, um, I was all about business and getting good grades and, on the flip side, I was all about the social life. You had both going. Yeah. Yeah. And you passed with flying colors. I did. Well, and you not landed flying a, colors, but uh, you passed. You know, probably three, mid threes. Yeah. Landed a job right away. Yeah. I don't really think GPA is that big of an indicator. No, it's really not. But the architecture name is a big indicator of it's not easy. It's especially not if you don't like career. it. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. But the thing about architecture is you can be a, a designer, you can be a spec writer, you can be a photographer, you can review the work in the field. There's so many different parts in the field of architecture within you, an office. Do you focus on any of those personally? Does the office have a niche? niche? No, we really don't. We're generalists. We, um, our work includes you know, the project that we did for Spencer and in Billings, we've done the um, Empire parking garage. We've done, we're working on the rescue mission project right now. We've done lots of projects for both the county and the city um, for the hospitals. So it's, you know, it, that's what makes my life so interesting is I don't just do one, I don't just do schools. I don't just do box stores or those mm -hmm. types of things. Mm -hmm. Every What's, day is different. Do you have a favorite subset of the industry that you like to? I do like detention work. Mm -hmm. Been doing that since about 1983. What's that? Um, county jails. Really? Um, Why? Uh, detention centers. Why? What makes those fun? Uh, just because they're unique and they're complicated. You, you know, get to do that from the ground up? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, or you remodel. And the thing is about those types of projects is you have to think way deep into them because you can't close a detention center down, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to remodel, you can't close it down. Mm -hmm. um, you do a, a new dispatch room. You got to figure out how to temporarily, you know, make sure the dispatch is still in in operation, right? Yeah. So it's um, I've done a lot of projects in my career, and you know that's it. Seems like you're always yearning for something that's maybe a little bit more complicated or a little bit unique. Mm -hmm. So, so you get to flex your creative mind a little bit. With some of yeah. those things. Yeah. I mean, there are standards, obviously, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. What, what do you think is the biggest characteristic to a good architect? Um, I would say the number one thing that we take pride in is listen to our clients, right? Mm -hmm. This is not my project. This is your project. 
And that's important for us to understand. Um, set the ego aside and set your, your ideas aside for a while. Just listen. Just talk to the client. Figure out what their needs are, space assessments, those types of things. And I do really think that that is, that is why, that was part of our success, is that we listen to people and it reflects on repeat clients that we have mm-hmm. and really do, do what you tell them you're going to do and, and be honest with them. You know, be forthright. Everybody can make a mistake. And um, if a mistake is made, you move beyond it. It's, um, yeah, that's long. It's just, we're no better than any other industry and we still are a business. We still have to make profits to move forward and we have to be creative as well. I mean, that's, that's why we do what we do, but I still feel that the business side and the client relations is number one. Definitely. And you like that just as much as the creative side of architecture. Yeah, I, I like the I like the creative side. Uh, the most, probably probably the most. Yeah, I can get my fat markers out and my color pencils, and yeah. you know they pay me to color in the office. Yep, or on the computer, or whatever we're we're talking about. But yeah, do you yeah. think there was a different career path that you could have ever taken? Oh, of course there was. With interest, with as much enjoyment over the course of forty-two years. You know, I don't know that. I've never done anything else, right? Right. And right. that's that's a crazy thing about this, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, I guess what I would say is that I had two mentors that um, you know, one is gone. His name was Don Flone. Don Flone was a civil engineer back in my hometown. He's the my first job out of high school. I worked for Don Flone, and you know he uh, he gave me a lot of encouragement. And, you know, he he was a good mentor in that way. The second mentor was uh, Jerry Schatz, who I moved out here with. Uh, He came in 1981. I came in in 1982. Similar age? Similar similar background? I would say at the time, yeah, when I met both of them. Very successful people. And Jerry taught me lot of things about marketing and the business itself and the thing i i have so much gratitude for jerry is he taught me uh, to be benevolent as well give back to the community and do things for the community and um and he always i'll never i'll never forget this but he told me that if you give to the community, give back to them, it will be returned. And it has. And it has. You know, having been here for 40 years, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible what we're doing. Right that now. is crazy. Yeah. Will you retire ever? Uh, not right now. I, I, you know, I like what I do. I'd rather not work as many hours as I do mm-hmm. um, because my wife, Kristen, deserves that yeah right um so she's been with you this whole time 33 years of it yeah wow so you're here yeah. for what seven eight nine years without her yeah ish yeah in the ballpark six and a half seven yeah that's seven yeah out of the 40 makes sense yeah what about that we had a little a little pre-podcast conversation about this woman named Kristen. there's a you said that there's, yeah. there's a really serendipitous story to well, go along with this. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, I like to tell this story. Um, it was a snowy morning, and I, you know, I, I, I like to reduce my footprint in this world. So I typically rode the city met bus transit, right, public transportation. And I lived at the corner of 11th Avenue North, and 22nd Street in Billings, Highland Apartments. And um, we'd never run into each other or anything like that. And she was a young professional that went to school at Concordia College in Moorhead. Um, she always tells me, 
I'm quite a bit older than she is. She'll make that known. But uh, we, we overlapped in college two or three years, right? Never passed or never met each other. And so it was a heavy, snowy morning, and she was heading to work and came out and didn't dare take her car to work. So she decided to take the public transportation, and I took it every day. So I walk out to the corner, and there was this angel. She had a white coat on with like fur around her hood. And, you know, you stand in the corner, you want to get a conversation going, right? We, well, the first thing I found is she's from Minnesota. Okay, boom, there's a common denominator. So we were talking. And I find out she got, went to college in Concordia, where we would go to football games and things like that. So, um, so we both got on the bus and went our respective ways, right? And I rode the bus with her coworker, um, trying to think of her name, uh, Margaret, every day. So um, basically what happened is we didn't see each other then. It was like probably January, February, this time of year. And then I was out in the parking lot with my brown Carhartt coveralls on, right? Tangent oil on my 1975 Camaro. <laughs> Real practical, you know, yep. and, and that's who I am. That's just how I live my life. And she comes walking up to me, say hi. And then uh, we went out for a Valentine's dinner up at the Lucky Diamond. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's I mean, what started. It just roses my, from there. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? From a w weird moment meeting on the bus. Yeah. At the bus stop. She's my bus stop girl. Yeah. You, yeah. Said, you said somebody wrote an uh, article? Yeah, I don't remember what, art, what magazine it was, but it was a glossy cover Billings magazine. And it was a Valentine's issue. And there were, there were lots of other fun stories of couples that had either met or whatever, whatever Valentine's issue. And um, yeah, we were interviewed and we were photographed went down to the bus depot here on Monad or wherever it was and got a picture of the bus in the background. And it was just crazy. That's but, really and crazy. I still got that article. You know, it's, uh, it's just uh, had I not decided to ride the bus that morning or if something, if I'd have been two hours later, it would have never happened. Yeah, I'm kind of reading more into serendipity. You yeah, just kind exactly. of see it everywhere. And that's why I, why I let off with serendipitous moment, which is kind of yeah. a, it's a weird word. Right. It's just that it's random, coincidental, but yeah. it's the only way it can happen. Yeah. And, you know, we've all been in those situations, right? Yep. Um, another, another serendipitous moment for me was um, I was in the office. I, I remember this and I tell this story to a lot of people, but I got a phone call from a contractor we did a project for in Cody. And right now we are doing another project with that contractor on the same building, right? It's like 25 years later. Okay. And so he called me and he said, I got a call from a person that is interested in trying to get a project um, off the ground between Cody and Powell, right? And it was for the Heart Mountain Interpretive Learning Center, which is a World War II museum to talk about the relocation camps after... Pearl Harbor was bombed. I don't know if you're you're right. familiar with that that story, but they basically America um, had a uh, what do they call it Proposition nine zero six six, where America took all the Japanese and Japanese Americans from the West Coast because they were worried about their tie to the bombing in Pearl Harbor, and they moved them inboard to these relocation camps. So between Cody and Powell, there was a camp in there in the 40s, mid 40s, that housed up to 14,000 people. Wow. Japanese and Japanese Americans. We were housing our own citizens behind barbed wire and in barracks. So anyway. He, I didn't know about that at all. Yeah. 
You need to go visit that project. That's close. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And right now we're doing an addition to it. But anyway, I'm going to back yep. up a little bit. Yep. Um, so Dave called me on the phone, the contractor, and he said, Al, I just talked to the chairman of the foundation, and I gave him a recommendation. He's probably going to stop in. He's coming from the east side of the state. Just expect him. And so I hung up the phone, and by my desk, I can see a reflection. There was somebody at the front desk. Well, it was Dave, another Dave, who was the foundation president, and he asked us to do that project. Wow. And we were the fourth architect on it because nobody would listen to him. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say you just listen to the clients and you give them the best project that you can. So that turned into a three-year project. And like I said, we're 25 years later, you're still doing work projects with them. Well, not quite 25. That was when they built the, the project in Cody with his contractor. But uh, okay. it was, you know, it's been, uh, it's been 12 years, 12, wow. 13 years. And now we're doing a big addition again. Wow. And this, this is a project that uh, is kind of a memorial to Alan Simpson, senator from Wyoming, and also Norm Mineta, who was the Department of Transportation cabinet member under Bush when 9-11 happened. Wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with these people that are just uh, amazing people when we did the original project. Mm -hmm. And the, the board of directors, and, and I have to tell you, there are only a couple of projects that, that really highlight my career, and this is one of them, Heart Mountain Interpretive Learning Center. And part of that is that the people that I worked with on the original concept, they were, um, they were amazing. And they were people, uh, highly professional people now, that were children in the camp. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're sitting, you're sitting next to them, and they're passionate about this project, right? They're telling their story. And, and then you go out for dinner and you know, do this social time and more stories come out. That's crazy. That, that, those are the opportunities that I've been given. And I'm telling you, they're paying me for this stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. But um, that's really crazy. It is. And, and to think that somebody walked into our office not knowing he could have walked by me on the street. Mm -hmm. uh, Dave Feilander didn't know, or Dave Reitz didn't know me from Man in the Moon. He came into my desk and he said, we need somebody to get on this and you, you know, we need your help. Mm -hmm. And you did. Yes. That's, so that, so those are fun things. They're that, fun things. I mean, that's just a, a God given. Definitely. Miracle. Definitely. That's my second serendipitous story. Second That's of, enough of that. Second, second of many. That was entertaining. Uh, you kind of went down a route of dinner, which is kind of a common interest of everybody, society. Nah, not everybody. A lot of people society-wide wide right now. Do you have a favorite place in Billings, Montana that you like to eat? Other than your home. Um. Yeah, there there are several places. Billings is has a lot to offer. Um, one of the places I do look forward to eating is Enzo Bistro. Really, favorite dish? Anything? No, usually a fish, but it's good. Yeah, it's I'm very, not bad. Well, you need to go there. Okay. Yeah, I like food. I'm, I'm. A lot of people know that about me. Not a lot of people know that maybe about you. Maybe they don't. Maybe yeah. they do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, any hobbies? Any, well, any, any time for hobbies? Uh, yes, I do. I brew beer. I uh, bake uh, sourdough bread. I like to read other than stuff at work. Mm -hmm. um, 
self-taught for the beer and bread those kind of go hand in hand yeah a little yeast for both yeah growing stuff right yeah just keep growing stuff and like i you know i loved the garden when i first got here um we lived on glenwood lane little house cottage house there and we had a huge garden and that's i think that's a trait that my parents passed on to me they just were guarding up to last summer believe it or not oh hey yes so there's a lot of help by my siblings but um it's to be seen what will happen this year um not really practical with their ages but but I've learned to really, I, I like to see things grow. It's just like, um, how does this happen? You know, it's a little bit of, of faith and touch of God and a little bit of rain and a lot of sun. And it's a miracle if you think about that. Yes. It's, it's like a miracle of having a child. Pulling right? nutrients it's, from the soil. Yeah. So that, um, I... I, uh, I'm not a musician. My family, a lot of my family are musicians, um, pianos, accordions, guitars, vocals. And I, um, I picked up congas, playing the congas <laughs> about 15 years ago. We should have had you bring them. <laughs> that would have yeah, been COVID has done a little bit of damage with that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, there's a couple in town that are extremely talented musicians and vocalists that I, are good friends and we just jam in their basement and you know do that just like 4e 6u 5e you don't ever do you invite friends over to come watch or oh just my join? my children really oh, yeah, had a concert do they enjoy it oh sure yeah how, how many children yeah. uh, i three we have three daughters we have uh wow. and they're 30 28 and 26 now okay they're, they're growing their wings and they're kind of moving on uh emily works um for uh, Log Jam presents in Missoula, and it's a, a concert music venue planning society, and they they plan all the events at the um, Kettle House Amphitheater, mm -hmm. and she's living her dream. She's I would say she's our hippie in the family, yep. right? Always has loved music and music festivals, and now she's box office manager, so she makes a living going to concerts, which is doing what she loves. Incredible, just like yeah. her dad. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Um, middle daughter Rachel is a, a four-year graduate of Augsburg College in Minneapolis. Um, she has just been amazing in terms of academics and life, and and. Um, and doing what she um, she feels is right, um, be a psychology focus with. Um, she's talked about end of life. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, end of life counseling. Really, if somebody's at the end of their life and working with the family to see what the best decision is by choice. Yeah. By choice. Yeah. And, there's no you know, happy ending to that. Well, maybe there is, but there's, you know what you're getting into. It's a different, into. it's just a different role. Mm -hmm. And, a, you know, and everybody needs that. We will all need that. Mm -hmm. We're going to all be gone and, and struggle with those things. And, um, and then um, our youngest daughter, she's a graduate of um, Linfield College out uh, near Portland. Mm -hmm. Got a great, great education out there. And she's out, uh, trying to get her career set now too so good for her yeah. i'm surrounded by by females and a lot of love and i just uh same it's a same it's a great feeling yeah, it is it's fortunate yeah it's enjoyable yeah oh, that's that's some fun things to learn uh nate have we had any uh interactions because we got some we got some fun things brewing al is a wealth of knowledge if if the two and a half people that are watching, Steph, you're probably one of them. <laughs> Mom, if you're out there. Your uh, mother's listening to this? Maybe. Maybe oh, not. I met her. Yeah. I met your mother. She's awesome. Times. Yeah. I just played Pinnacle with her last night. Oh. Me, Steph, my grandma, my dad. Did oh, not win. Awesome. Beat the socks off me. It was fun, though. Uh, 
Our family plays a lot of cards. Do they? Not so much when I'm here, but when I go back there, yeah. Sisters, brothers, your mom and dad still in their 90s, will they play? Oh, yeah. 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 Any money? Oh, yes, always. Yeah. Yeah. Friendly rates. But, Friendly, uh, of course, yeah. of course. But you got to have a, a couple dollars. On yeah, it's got to be worth a little something. You're dang right. You're dang right. That's fun. Uh, nothing on nothing on the back end there, Nate? Maybe? Mm, no. Uh, Kelsey and Daryl, um, they said that uh, to give Daryl a shout out. Shout out to Daryl Fulton. He's a Forsyth guy. Good dude. Oh. He's got one of the best memories I know out of anybody alive. And publicly on the air, I'll say that he doesn't utilize it. That's for you, Daryl. <laughs> he's a he's a good dude. Really good dude. Uh, we were going to do, and maybe I'll wait a little bit. So I, do you know anything about VR? Do you, virtual reality? There's some of that that's in, kind of in the news. Things are kind of, I'm I'm on the verge of being techie and not at the same time. I like it. And I like fun things like that. And last episode I said I was going to give away a VR because we got down the rabbit hole of VR and NFTs and crypto and some of that. I'm I'm really not that tech savvy. Really? Honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I through my work I have to be, but you know, I I um I like talking to people. Yeah. Right? Yep. I like interacting with people and during the, the COVID ESPIT, you know, episode that we've been through the last couple of years, uh, we all worked remotely and of course we're, we've got the connectivity with all of us through go to meetings and things like that. But I really, I really missed the camaraderie of having the team in the office. Yeah. And, you know, I would say that most of the people in our office would remark the same way. Now we're all back just practicing safe working conditions amongst ourselves. But was there any push in your office for flex for from home and in office? There always is, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm an employer that's willing to make sure that I allow flexibility. That's what makes a good employer. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes a good employee. Mm -hmm. Um, But right now we're all, we're all back under one roof and, I guess what I learned is, um, you know, after four, five, six months of that, I found that I could work anywhere in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was a struggle, and it, you know, an old dog learning new tricks is always difficult because I'm more of a I'm more of a conceptual sketch yep. person, right? I I don't design on the computer. I I uh, let it roll out of my brain and into my hands Mm -hmm. and you know it's it is old school that's not the way some of the younger architects are trained but um, i still think it's important to be able to sketch something in front of a client yeah without being intimidated or nervous oh i've seen i've been on the back end of that watching you you have in person yeah it's pretty wild it's, oh, come I'm on. I've been buttering you a little bit tonight. <laughs> Not really, actually, because it's all it's all meaningful. But yeah, I watched it in yeah. person, and it's kind of yeah. crazy. You're you're the first experience that I've had with a direct relationship with an architect mm-hmm. in a business setting and friendly, both. Yeah, at the same time, and it's been really yeah. enjoyable. But watching how you work is methodical, and you can interact with engineers, project managers, laborers, and that's kind of fun too. Yeah. Yeah. And you saw the process. You go from really, really rough mm-hmm. bubbled concept diagrams, right? You get the flow of it. And I remember going back and forth many times on that, on your project. And yeah, you just finally, you don't have to worry about the details right up front. Did you learn that? Did, is, was that taught in school? Did you kind of develop that? Everybody had to develop that role. Yeah. That talent. Yeah. To be good. Yeah. We didn't have computers in those yep. days. The computers that we had were half the size of this building. Yeah. Uh, and we started with Fortran and it wasn't design related, right? This was back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So you've so been, long. you've been through some business cycles, generational changes, things like that. Yeah. Do you have a preference of 
generations to work with. Um, do you see it like that as as millennials or Gen Z or Gen X or baby boomers? Or- you know, I, I like them all because they bring they all bring different talent to the office, and you know, our new employees come in with different ideas and different tools that they work with and all of that. And as I'd mentioned earlier, to be a good um, employer, uh, we have to make sure we've got the tools and the equipment to present ourselves um, to any client as a real professional mm-hmm. that is up on things. And it's like every, every f- architectural design firm or other business, you have to keep up with the tools. As soon as you don't update, you're falling behind. That's, yep. that's the bottom line. I feel that way. And so um, I try and support whomever is, is asking for something in the office within reason, of course. And it works. Beer cakes, beer keg isn't in the office yet. Maybe just a box wine in the fridge. <laughs> Not even that. No, no caterer <laughs> at this point. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. What else can we go down with it? It's fun. I uh, I thought of Al. So the whole concept of the What's It Like podcast is a is kind of a deep dive into local people that I find interesting and that have something to share, and maybe somebody hears wind of something like this and they want to have a conversation with Al or somebody connected to Al of, you know, I'm thinking about going to architecture school or I'm thinking about going into the civil engineering field. What, what could you share with me on that? And things like that. And so I thought Al was a pretty good candidate after spending quite a few meetings with him, just understanding who he was and how you're open to a lot of things and you can tell a good story and, so that's been that's been really enjoyable from my side of things in, in the world of I guess in our world. So yeah, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh what else? What else? So I have a little flow and I think typically podcast hosts don't really uh have downtime or anything like that. It just kind of yeah. flows from thing yeah. to thing to thing and and I'm probably going through a little discovery stage with that on how we want to structure and, and go about and we could dive off on a couple of tangents of more serendipitous stories or interesting projects to really work on. <laughs> Al is the man. Thanks. Thanks for that, Steph. Oh, Stephanie. God bless you. Steph that. says. Yeah, you can read that. <laughs> Stephanie says, Al, we're starting a new business. Our employees are our priority. Can you give us your wisdom being a great employer to your employees for us as we start our new adventure? Now, I'll tell you what. Um, that, is, uh, that is so incredibly important with employees. Uh, what we are gifted with is the longevity of our employees. 24 years for one, 15 another, 16 for another. No way. And, you know, they're, they're loyal employees. And um, I think one of the important things is recognizing them for the, the good things that they do, birthdays. And um, one of our employees right now is, is struggling a little bit bit with one of his children and you know those are hard things when you when your family members are struggling mm-hmm. especially children so you know, it's one thing to rely on them for the everyday things right it's it's an everyday grind but it's also important to step back out of that and treat them as one of the people in your life that you're spending more time with them than your spouse, right? Right. In many ways. Right. That's, that's the way you are able to function and, and move through all of the challenges that you have in business. And, you know, all businesses have lots of challenges. Mm-hmm. We have good days and we have not so good days. But I have to say that 
the staff that we have, my coworkers, are incredible. How did you find them? Or did they find you? Retention is uh, one thing, right? Retention, as the business yeah. sense, is it's really good for the business. It's critical. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's cost-effective. It builds camaraderie. It builds trust. And then yeah. you, when you trust, you can go fast and you can do a lot of things. But You know, there, there are people that have, I, I remember one instance, one, of, one employee was... Um, came into my office and didn't like where he was at the time. And I can remember it was just the perfect timing for me. I shook his hand and I, I held his hand and I pulled him into my office and I, and I do things like that sometimes to just be weird or, you know, be different and, and break the ice and I've hired him and he's one that's been there for about 15 years. And you know, one of the greatest employees, he, um, he's a young man and, uh, he's got a great business sense. Time is money. He understands that. And, you know, we're there to, um, to do a good work, do a job for our clients. And you want to make sure it's done well. And we all have to make profits in the end. Otherwise we won't be in business. And uh, he's part of, my whole team is part of been being successful for the last 21 years that I've run the firm on my own. And I'll tell you what, the day I bought the firm, I was scared out of my mind. I didn't know that that was the case. So let's dive into that a little bit. Well, um, we came out as a branch office. Um, we were here for, I was here for four years. and. We were doing well financially. Year end was fine, and we'd grab our profits and send them for ship. And you know, we we would get a bonus and and a thank you, and we'd have a party, and, and that's what we'd do. And so Jerry Schutz decided that he wanted to try it on his own, and it wasn't wasn't long and our office was in this building I'd mentioned to you earlier. Yep. Upstairs. This, right upstairs from where we're interviewing and then over laterally. And, uh, and then we were in, we ended up in an office space near walkers. Um, there's a little, um, sandwich shop or something there right adjacent to the alley. But, um, yeah, we, we ended up, um, operating, under Schutz Foss Architects from, let's see, that would have been 1986 to uh, 1997, so 11 years. Mm -hmm. And then I purchased the firm in January of 97, and here I am today. What drove that decision? Were you I tired think, of giving uh, profits? Were you did, did you want more control? Did you want... Freedom. No, I, I think it was a mutual decision that um, I was ready and Jerry wanted to slow down a little bit. And so that we had an overlap and it, it went just like clockwork. It was absolutely perfect. And it was an accelerated timeline of transition. And, you know, I, I learned a lot in those four or five years. And yeah, it's survival of the fittest. And, when we the the economy here in the mid eighties was a tough one, mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of firms that that um, weren't able to succeed. Um, a lot of colleagues and friends they moved or they they quit their business. Um, we survived, and it wasn't because we weren't working hard. Yeah, I tell you, but um, you know, it's um, there are always challenges, but we've quite successful and I you know it gets back to the reasons why we're successful is the the beautiful people that I'm able to work with it's that's just the way it the way it is and yeah. um, some of the, some of the projects that we're doing right now are just incredible I think the other project that um, for me is probably one of the highlights of my whole career and I, I have no idea how many projects i've done 2500 3000 projects that many and yeah 
in 40 years, you know, yeah. it's uh, it's a long time, but um, we're doing a tribal headquarters building for the Mandan, the Hadatsa, and the Arikara tribe in Newtown, North Dakota, ground up. A tribal headquarters building, which is their capital, and it's um, it's full of cultural design. And we worked with a cultural committee and the chairman. I'm sitting at the at the table with the chairman of the tribe, and we're making decisions. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I my heritage is Polish, and but we went in there for the interview against some big national firms and we were able to get that project and it's been very successful. It'll be done in three or four months. And we were just selected to do a big financial addition to that project. Wow. So they obviously like our work. Yeah. It's um, I, I would love um, it. It's just, it's a feel good project and one Know, near the highlight of my career, that's that's just simply amazing. And, uh, I'd love for you to see it sometime. We'll go. Jenner. We'll go. Um, I'll go. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You have to make sure you bring Stephanie too. Steph. Steph will bring you. Yeah. She'll make it. Yeah. Maybe so. Nate too. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> uh, so that's that's really fun. I uh, I have a interest in business in general, right? Mm-hmm. Selfish, uh, selfish kind of interest. Some of the questions are are asked for my own personal want or need, right? But mm-hmm. but the fact that you're an architect, but you're not one dimensional in that regard that that it's not just design build, it's business too it's employees it, it too. can't be it, yeah it can't be for um, you um no yeah no, yeah it's, it's just a single silo it's it's really everything and that's kind of a crazy thing to hear because you know it even goes as far as some architects architects most maybe even most architects don't have field experience or things like that they make designs that literally can't be performed in the field and i feel like sure that's, and i feel like that's probably almost never happened to you since you well, had some of that yeah. civil side and it, then you work that close with the project. Yeah. For me, it's, um, it's a, it's a difficult career, but it, on the, on the flip side, it's very uh, satisfying, right? Mm-hmm. We have a physical, we have a physical product from that comes out of our head. Right. Yeah. And, my biggest rush is when we get done with a design and we're able to award it to a contractor and you see that thing coming up out of the ground. Just like plants. It is fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. It's, it's, um, it's a real rush. Like but, growing, like growing your sourdough. Yeah, exactly. Like growing your plants, your garden, My beer and, your beer. Yeah. One's just faster than the other. Yeah. Actually, they all have really different timelines. What's the longest project? From start date to completion date, it's probably the one that we're currently working on right now for the tribal headquarters. How long? Uh, the project number is seventeen thirty one. So started in probably mid seventeen. Wow! And we'll go into another project that might last another three years. So twenty five, seventy eight years. Um, but on the flip side, I have colleagues and friends um, that are working for firms that have, for instance, a friend of mine, Dan Noble, uh, works for trying MKS or something like that, mm-hmm. but huge firm. And he's due to the Los Angeles uh, Stadium and the Minnesota Stadium for the Vikings. And you know, in that way, you have projects because they're so big yep. and the timeline is so long but um that's where i i feel i'm i'm just so grateful that i can do small projects big projects um but they all are a kit of the same parts right you do the schematic design you do design development you do all the details for bidding and they all have spec books and it's all the same process 
it's just the time is extended or the mass of the thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that has to kind of evolve on its own yeah. based on the project. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of tight knit community within the architecture world? Um, we, you're an architect, we, I'm an architect. We can automatically get along almost or. Yeah. I think, I think the community of buildings is very, um, very friendly in that way. We have um, buildings architectural association. We have banquets and in the spring and you know with that comes um the learning credits and the products we have um, vendors that come out and help us with new products and and all of that so yeah the the congeniality of the design market in town is is good there's no threats there you know especially now when times are good everybody's Mm -hmm. busy and Mm -hmm. everybody's happy and doing good work Um, yeah it's uh it's good time. Good. Yeah. It's a good time. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Uh, Nate, you have anything on the back end that, that you want to pop in and say or ask or anything fun like that? No, not really. I think this is pretty awesome. Um, if there was any type of like architecture in particular, like a, like a style of architecture, whether it's residential or commercial, what would be like your favorite? Uh, I I think oh, excuse me I think I prefer um, more of the commercial work um, because it tends to we have we have to work to make sure we're creating the environment for the public mm-hmm. right and it's all about life safety um, it's uh, it, it's it's more exciting it's temp- usually a larger project. Um, for instance, we worked on a project in Gillette, Wyoming. It was a, a big multi-event center, right? And on that project, it was a two or 300-foot span, both directions. And the beams, the sections of the beams were so big that they didn't make them in America. We had to get them uh, out of Germany, and they put them on a boat. And they brought them across through the Panama Canal and brought them up through... through <laughs> Seattle, put them on, on semis and brought them in to get them fabricated here. And then we moved them from Billings to Gillette. And I think about what if something would have failed or we didn't get the right beam or whatever. Yep. There were like three inch thick base plate, three inch thick base plates for the columns, stuff like that. What? It's amazing. And you know, it just comes together like a kit of parts. Like I told you before, just like a giant kit. Yeah. Just a giant kid. Yeah. <laughs> Something yeah. different. We're 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 kind of wrapping up a little bit. Last last question. This is this is good. Okay. I'm assuming this is Daryl. I love the conjoined Facebook, Kelsey and Daryl. I've got a great topic I would love an opinion on. I've talked several times with Tanner and Steph about trying new things, etc. I want to know more about risk-taking in life in general. Does a person settle and stay content in life, or does he always reach for the stars? Thoughts? Wish to add a little bit more to this. It's it's kind of a balance. Is, is there such thing as a balance between happiness and always striving, or is there anything wrong with being content, and, and or is there such a place as having your role in society, right? Is, mm-hmm. is there anything wrong? No, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with being content. Um, I don't tend to be too content. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, but we're all built differently, right? People, uh, people have different lifestyles. People have different levels of stress that they deal with. Um, on the flip side, for me, um, when the when I need to get things done, I get them done. And for me, there are so many opportunities in life that I want to try and and grasp as many of them as I can. Why? You have to remember that we only have one life, right? And that's the only one we're given. And there are so many things to learn and so many things to see. 
um, like travel. I want to do more travel when it's, uh, you know, a little bit safer. And I'm not necessarily interested in going back to the same place, mm-hmm. whether it's on this continent or, or another continent. Um, I don't know. I, I just, um, I'm a risk taker, right? Mm-hmm. There are employees that I have don't want to take one iota of risk. But you know you'll get through it. You know do. you'll figure it out. Yeah, you always do. And yep. you know, it, if you take risks, there are going to be there are going to be some mistakes, or there might be, there might not be. But that's what I feel is um, that's how I look at it. Everybody makes a mistake. Some are bigger than others, but um, I'm not afraid of, of of going out on the limb and. Um, you know, doing different project type or whatever. You just have to, you have to make sure you, you mitigate your mistakes. You're the most alive when you're taking risks. You're yeah. living. Yeah. When you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. And it feels good. You know, there's, there's a, a risk and there hopefully is a reward on the end of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I think back to um, 97, when I decided to do what I did in terms of, of taking on this company, um, like I said, it was a, it was a shock uh, because I didn't know a lot about the business side, but you soon figure that out. Yep. Or you die or you don't survive or you don't survive. But that's a lesson in itself if you didn't. Yeah. But that's, that's what business is. Just what you're saying. You, you have an interest in business and, um, I just don't know if I got the chops, right? But I'm willing to find out. And and for Daryl's sake, he's like I said, he's got the memory. Like you, you have a probably an ability to recognize talent in people, right? That your hires, you grab that guy's hand, you pull him in. Was that you know? You hope you do, and you know, yeah. But you have to you have to build them up, Mm -hmm. right? You have to put your time into it to teach them and to mentor them, just like I was mentored. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. But um, you know, there are there are a lot of good people out there and we all need a mentor. We can all we can all tell of a mentor. I know we can. Yep. And it's um that's what it's that's what it's about. I think that's probably one of the best ways we can end that this conversation. That was a that was a fun note. Daryl, I'm glad you asked that question because <laughs> Al's got some wisdom in there. And I think it's the mentorship program. I mean, some people don't need them, but I think a majority of people do. And it's just mentoring is just about giving back. It's like it I'm, is. I'm fortunate to have one in my life and mm-hmm. multiple, and they kind of sought me out, and that's fortunate. It just happens. Is this Stephanie? Stephanie is one of them. I know she's she a, is. she's an of age mentor. Yeah. There's a guy named yeah. Jeff Kaufman out of Bozeman. He is. Mm-hmm. He sought me out. My parents. Yep. Probably your grandparents. Grandma. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. It's a good life. It is. And I, um, you know, we can, we can all reflect on that and uh, we're lucky people. Because you don't have to look very far to know or to see or experience maybe a friend going through some tough things or other people that, you know, you don't know the background and they're just on the downside. And, um, yeah, it's so worth it. I count it's my blessings it. every day. Absolutely. To put in the effort for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great way. That's a great way to end. Uh, I did not expect this to go that well. So I thank you for those stories and in your time and in learning a little bit more history about you and your experiences. So, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for the invite. This has been fun. Yeah. So Al Rapax. Rapaz. Yep. No C. The C is silent. C is silent. Yeah. Just Al. Uh, I have to tell you one other little story. There is my, um, my father, when he was a child, they pronounced our last name Rapach, which is the Polish name. And then uh, when 
my dad again was uh, with his siblings. It was rupees. <laughs> I don't know where that one came from, but some young bullying ages. How can how can we twist this man? <laughs> and now, so now we say rapaz, rapaz, and your daughters say rapaz. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. And yeah. Tanner screws up and says rapax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was close compared to what we what we hear sometimes. Al so. Rapaz. Well, thank you. Uh, we are probably going to be doing this podcast every Thursday around 6 p.m. Talking to different people about what it's like being in Billings or in a certain niche uh, environment. And I hope everybody tunes into later episodes. And uh, we are going to stick to our deal. So if you tuned in, liked, commented, shared, did anything like that, we are going to give away a VR to one of you. And we'll announce that next episode. And the deal is if you get it, and this is kind of going past Al on some of this, but and maybe Al will get it. I, I want to put your name in that because that could be a fun experience. Do it. I can, I can, you can learn. I can deal with it. You yeah. can learn. And the only gimme to this whole thing is you have to. <laughs> You have to download this app called Golf Plus, and then you have to play my friend called named Cody Wade. And if you lose to him, you then have to give this VR to somebody else. Oh, that's with fair. the same stipulation. They have to beat the King Cody Wade, and if you beat him, then you get to keep it. It's the only deal. It's fun. That's that's it's the fun. traveling VR. But yeah. knowing you, you would have a week to practice, and you would just dominate. So <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Nate, yeah. thanks. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Tim. This was really enjoyable. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>